Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Hi, welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. You know, it's been said that truth is stranger than fiction. I love movies. I watch tons of movies. It helps me escape from the reality of my life and the life of the world we're going through. Last week, I began a podcast about Mao Zedong, the mass murderer from China who killed 30 million of his own fellow Chinese. He was a communist Chinese, as you well know, who built his whole life around Marxism and Leninism. He said so, and that's what he was. He purged everyone in China who opposed him, killed all of his enemies, as did Stalin, as did Hitler. The fact of the matter is, as I was putting together that podcast on Mao Zedong, which you will hear at the end of this podcast, quotations from Mao Zedong, a very Maoist thing happened to me. I woke up in the middle of the week, and I was told that I had been fired by Joe Biden, not him directly by one of his minions. I was thrown off the board of the Presidio Trust uh, that I had been put on by uh, Donald Trump. Now, what's odd here, you say, well, look, this is typical. Don't make it about you. It's not that important. Well, first of all, you're wrong. Those of you who say a president has absolute power to dismiss anyone he wants is half true. He can do it in certain cases, not in all cases. And as you will find out, if you're willing to listen, there is precedent of cases that have gone all the way to the Supreme Court where it says, quote, I'll read a short one. It's called Humphrey's Executive versus United States from May 27th, 1935. The name is Rathbun versus Same. The president may not remove any appointee to an independent regulatory agency except for reasons that Congress has provided by law. Well, there were no reasons to dismiss me. There were three Trump appointees. 
on the Presidio Trust, and only one of them was singled out to be purged, and that's me. And there's a reason for it, and I'll make it short and sweet. They wanted Savage gone because I offered to bring $2.5 million in funding for military heritage exhibits at the Presidio Officers Club. The current administration running that beautiful 1,200 acres wants the military heritage erased at the Presidio, in my estimation. And there's more to that story, and I won't bore you with all of the details. That's the summation of it. I want to emphasize how important this position is to the citizens, not only of San Francisco, but of America. I was chosen by Donald Trump because I had spent over 40 years working on conservation and environmental issues. The Presidio lands are a public trust that must be cared for by ardent conservationists and preservationists, not by political hacks of the type that will be installed by this administration. It's that simple. I do not want to see housing projects, homeless encampments, and more of the hippie West installed at the Presidio. I want to see exhibits that show the great history of the Presidio. And before I go into that, I may as well give it to you right up front. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Many of you have heard that I wanted to support the installation of military exhibits, which, of course, you would expect on a military, <laughs> ex-military base that is preserved for the public trust. But what you may not know is that I had secured $2.5 million in funding. It was probably 100% secured. And I was going to... Now, here's a, here's a trust that's been screaming it's broke, has no money. Hotels were closed during the pandemic. Golf course closed during the pandemic. Restaurants closed during the pandemic. Well, they don't know where the money's going to come from. So now you have a board member who says to the management, I believe I have found funding of $2.5 million for the military heritage exhibits. Can you please send me the approximate cost to install exhibits and the cost of curators? And the current management refused to answer my emails. And even worse, to show you how Maoist these people are. Oh, they smile and they make believe they're nice. And they're oh so polite and they wear such clean clothing. And they never say a loud word and they don't type in caps. You know what they did? They would not even answer my emails answering me about how much it would cost to install these exhibits. They would not put it in writing. And after they had the Biden administration expunge, throw me off the board, they expunged the minutes of the communications where I was asking for those costs. That's right. Does it sound Stalinist or Maoist to you? It can't happen here, can it? Well, maybe it is happening here, but you're too, let's say, biased to even understand it. So without going into this for hours, I want to read you the titles of the exhibits that I wanted to see created and installed at the Presidio Officers Club. And you judge for yourself if any of these things are volatile or, let us say, in any way reflective of something that shouldn't be there. Let me explain to you what I sent them. I sent this on February 16th, 2021. I believe it's been expunged from the minutes of the Presidio, which is disgraceful. And here's what was sent to them. The current manifestation of the Presidio Officers Club is the result of meticulous and caring planning by the trust and extensive overhaul and remodeling. 
These efforts saved a venerable structure, resulting in a venue welcoming visitors from around the world while providing a showcase for the unique heritage of the post. Since the opening of the remodeled Officers Club, the Heritage Gallery has served as the venue for fixed exhibits related to the Presidio's history and temporary exhibits exploring topics of relevant historic or social merit. Eventually, the Officers Club will again be made available to the public. At that time, a partial selection of suggested topics for a series of future temporary exhibits related to the Presidio's history might include, and I'm going to read these to you, and you judge for yourself whether any or all of these you think should be installed in the officers club. And before I read you these exhibits, you should know that there's been a big battle going on behind the scenes between some of the members on the board, myself included, and the current management, which wants to take over the entire officers club and turn it into their own offices. That's right. They wanted to seize the officers club and turn it into their own fiefdom. So one of the exhibits, and this exhibit, by the way, God and the Soldier at the Presidio, Faith in the Army Over Two Centuries, which would include the Spanish and Mexican eras, is what triggered my being fired and thrown off the board because I sent this to them two days before this all happened. You should know that the U.S. Army's approach to religion on its posts has always been ecumenical. All three major religions often share the same religious structures. There's, uh, of course, chapels on the property. The main post chapel, originally used as a Protestant chapel, later became a home for interfaith worship. It was built in 1931 by the U.S. Army. Its Spanish mission revival architecture features arched stained glass windows by Wilhelmina Ogterup, a fresco by Victor Onotov. It's gorgeous. And then there is uh, the chaplain corps. These men, no women until very recently, of all three major faiths, were commissioned officers in the army and serving in all theaters of operations. Last rites and graves registration service photos and artifacts that could be included in this exhibit and I could have done this and as a result of my suggesting this leftist forces engineered to have Michael Savage thrown off the board the exhibit was God and the soldier at the Presidio uh, faith in the army over two centuries including the Spanish and Mexican eras but there were other exhibits that I suggested which one of these offends you Window on the East, the Presidio's changing role in America's Pacific experience. Chrissy Field, Cradle of Aviation on the Pacific Coast. The Presidio supports the 1914 Panama Pacific Exhibition. Guardians at the Golden Gate, Coast Artillery and Harbor Defense. Voices of Service, interviews with veterans of American conflict. Medicine at the Presidio, from Civil War to Cold War. World War II Secrets, the Japanese Military Intelligence School. Did you know about that? Guess not. They didn't want that one. Architectural Treasures of the Presidio. Utility to Folly with much in between. Nature's Army, the Presidio and Establishment of the National Parks. Military Millinery, two centuries of headgear at the Presidio. 
the Army and the Park Service, origins of the Smokey the Bear hat. My friends, my friends, these are the exhibits that I suggested and that I sent to a source for funding, which will remain anonymous, and the source told me they would fund it to the tune of $2.5 million. The management at the Presidio did not want any of these exhibits. They did not want God in the military, and they want the Presidio Officers Club turned into their own offices. Do you understand what's behind this? That it has nothing to do with one man who you may or may not like. It has to do with a group of Machiavellian bureaucrats and functionaries who are trying to steal the Presidio Officers Club for their own use. So that is a list of the exhibits at the Presidio that would show people the military heritage of the Presidio, that would bring visitors from around America and around the world and greatly improve the respect for the dead that lie in the graves at the cemetery And by the way, at one of the board meetings, I suggested we rename the Presidio Cemetery the Arlington of the West. It went over like a lead balloon. The anti-military, anti-American individuals now running the Presidio did not even respond to my statement. Let us rename it the, the Arlington of the West which would bring people from around the world. They whine and they complain that there is no money, that they need money. They need the government to bail them out. And here I brought them money and they threw me off the board. And here I told them, rename it the Arlington of the West to attract more visitors. And they ignored it because it came from me. Do you understand what's going on? I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very sad day, not for Michael Savage as much as it is for America to see a group of individuals so petty that they would do a thing like this is something you would expect in a third world dictatorship. And that is the backstory to the story that you've read about or heard about. I've tried to tell you, well, what is the Presidio? What happened to me? Why these 1,200 acres are so important to America and the Bay Area? why I was singled out amongst the Trump appointees and what my proposed exhibits were. At this time, I'm simply going to play several television appearances that you may have seen, probably not, on Newsmax television, which explain in more detail some of the story, after which I will then explain to you how far Mao Zedong's revolution has come in the United States of America. This is a cautionary tale. Laugh it off if you want, or be chilled to the bone if you have a brain and a soul. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. For those of you who may have missed my interviews on Newsmax TV this past week about the Presidio Trust scandal, which is a big deal, you know, Biden purges Savage. Here is the first interview I did with Rob Schmidt. Tonight on America First, the Biden administration demanding conservative radio icon resign, a conservative radio icon resign from his position in overseeing a San Francisco park. What? 
Last year, former President Trump appointed Michael Savage to the board of directors of the Presidio Trust. It's an organization overseeing the preservation of San Francisco's national park area at the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a very beautiful place even though San Francisco is falling apart. While there are three other Trump appointees on this board, Savage says he has been singled out, and we're trying to figure out what this is. It's a very bizarre story, and Michael Savage, host of The Michael Savage Show and New York Times bestselling author, joins us now to talk about it. Sir, it's good to see a, a very bizarre story. What exactly is happening here? Well, I want to start with how important a trust board member is okay. to the citizens of the United States. This is 1,200 pristine acres. People like me stand in the way of developers. That's what we're there for, to make sure that it's not turned over to people who want to make a profit off it. Uh, it's a public trust that must be cared for by ardent conservationists and preservationists, not by political hacks. So that is why the board consists of independent individuals, independent of all political influence. We are the equivalent, in a way, of the Supreme Court. The president can appoint us, but a president cannot fire us. The reason is, is that we are therefore independent of political influence. And so this came out of the blue this morning. Resign or we're going to fire you by the end of the day. Well, my lawyer looked into the Presidio Trust bylaws, Rob, and the Congressional Act of 1996 establishing it says there's no one, including the current president, who has the power to terminate an appointed board member. It is not part of the federal government. The trust is a corporation owned by them with its own bylaws governing how a board member is appointed and removed. Sure. The only state away for removal is by one's own letter of resignation. I will not resign. And if they do throw me off the board for no reason whatsoever, we are going to seek an injunction. My attorney, Daniel Horowitz, sure. has let, already notified them. And let me, let me ask you real quick. I, I just want to know, how did you get on the board? I mean, did somebody just quit or die or something when no, Biden or when no, Trump was in office? Just, yeah. How it works is terms expire and new presidents fill them. Uh -huh. And I will remind everyone listening that President Trump did not purge anyone who had been appointed okay. by President Obama. This is unprecedented. Usually the terms are up. My term ends in 2023. It doesn't end now. It ends in 2023. It, it, and so okay, why do they want to get rid of me? Obviously, they don't want any oversight by an independent like myself. Why do they care? Why in the hell does the Biden administration care about who is on the board of Presidio Park? And I mean, of all the things going on, why do they care about this? I mean, I just well, I read the story. A, I couldn't believe it. That's a very interesting question. Yeah. What do they have up their sleeve? Are there developers who want to put someone on the board as a stooge uh -huh. who will want to develop some apartment buildings on this sacred 1,200 acres? Do they want to purge any reference to the U.S. military on this mili ex-military base and turn it oh. into Woodstock West? Okay. We have, you know, we have the largest graveyard of fallen soldiers outside of Arlington. I call it the Arlington of the West. Maybe they want to pave over the cemetery and put a high rise on it and make some money off it. <laughs> I don't know what they want to do. Nobody knows, Rob. They'll turn it into a Black Lives Matter plaza or something like that. Oh, don't say uh, that, please. <laughs> Well, you know what? Maybe. This is this is I'm glad you're holding your ground. You're not going to you're not going to stand down. You're not going to resign. Your term's up for not for another two years. Please keep us posted on this. Let's I want to know if you get another <laughs> letter, if something else happens, because I mean, talk about stories that come out of left field. This came out of left field and we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I woke but you explained up this it well. morning and I said, you, Rob, I woke up this morning. And I said, what? Yeah. All I did was submit some <laughs> ideas for exhibits for the military her heritage of the Presidio. And the next thing I know, they're throwing me off the commission. Why? Yeah. 
No reason. No reason. No. Michael it's Savage. Like this. Rob, yeah. you know what this is? What? Chairman Mao's Little Red Book. <laughs> That's the subject of my next podcast. We'll this is starting to look more and more like the purges of China under Mao Zedong. Well, we, we definitely want to check that out. We're out of time, but uh, that's a good tease for the podcast. Michael Savage, host of the Michael Savage Show. Uh, thank you, sir, for a very interesting story tonight. Good to see you. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate the of opportunity. Of course. And here is my second interview that I did with Newsmax Television on the Cortez and Pellegrino show where I spell out the financial interests underlying this entire scandal. A conservative talk radio host is not backing down after the Biden administration demanded his resignation from a board overseeing a national park in San Francisco. President Trump appointed Michael Savage to the board of directors of the Presidio Trust last year. The organization oversees the preservation of San Francisco's national park area at the Golden Gate Bridge. Yesterday morning, Savage received a letter demanding his resignation by the end of the day or he'd be fired. Now, Savage isn't the only Trump appointee on the board, so he believes he's being singled out in a targeted purge. You know, Steve, I think anybody related to Trump, anybody in the administration, uh, anything Trump is targeted by the Biden administration. Yeah, unfortunately, and particularly in this case, it seems like it's just purely vindictive. Like there's not a policy angle here. There's not a reason other than just crassness and and pure politics, power politics trying to get Michael Savage off his board. Uh, so we want to ask the man himself, Michael Savage. He's the host of the Michael Savage Show. He's also a New York Times best-selling author. So Michael, tell us, why do you believe you've been targeted by Joe Biden to be taken off this prestigious board? And not the other Republican appointees appointed by Trump. Great question. And that's going to take more time than I have or that you have for me. Thank you, Steve and Jennifer, for having me on uh, on this Friday evening. This is based solely on political differences, as you said, rather than job performance or alleged acts of malfeasance. And I will take it to the federal courts on Monday because they bullied me by sending me a, a missive saying, resign or we fire you. Well, I sent a note saying I'm not resigning because the only way to replace someone on this board is if they resign. The fact is that a president may not remove any appointee to an independent regulatory agency except for reasons that Congress has provided by law, and there are no reasons. We looked up case law, we looked up Supreme Court cases going back to 1935. There's a direct parallel to a case called Humphrey, I want Humphrey's executive versus US, and it's identical to this one. Roosevelt fired somebody twice, he wouldn't resign, and so the guy took it to the Supreme Court and won. Roosevelt was very angry. When you look back, you know, obviously you're one of uh, a few Trump appointees and you're the one that was targeted. What do you think triggered them, if anything? Oh, I know what I know exactly, because I learned just an hour ago that not only did they cut off my email an hour ago without telling me. And I, I said, who did this? It wasn't the federal agency that said they were going to fire me. It was someone inside the trust. And they expunged the minutes from the last board meeting where I said I have found about two and a half million dollars in funding for the military exhibits. These individuals do not want the military exhibits to be expanded. They want to turn it into mm. the Woodstock West. They want any yeah. reference to the military gone from the Presidio, which is an old army base. For, for our audience who perhaps hasn't had the pleasure of being there, because it's one of the most beautiful, striking places in it all is. of America, uh, major military cemetery. It's a gorgeous and inspiring cemetery. Can you talk about that and why preserving that is so important to you individually and as an American? It's gorgeous. I've walked there alone and talked to the souls. And I, 
I call it the Arlington of the West. And I told the board, rename it the Arlington of the West so people know what is here. You see graves going back to World War One, And you say, my God, these people were real. They were like me with legs and arms and breath walking. And now they're under the ground and they sacrifice their lives for the country. What a great, great place this is. It's not supposed to be a hippie Woodstock. That's nice if you want to play golf and go to a hotel. Wonderful. It's supposed to be self-supporting. But the, the board was created to oversee this to make sure it's not developed and turned into, I don't know, housing projects, whatever. And so they've targeted me because I want to exemplify the connection to the military past, to the graves. I want to what you just said is interesting is I want to unite the connection between the cemetery, which you've obviously seen, and the rest of these 1,200 pristine acres. I don't want to separate them. And so here I come and say, I have found, I think, $2.5 million in funding. And what do they do? They went crazy and they fired me. That's really what's behind this. You're going to see this law come out in the courts. These people are Michael, horrible. real quick, what's your plan on, on how to fight this? Spoke to my lawyer. We're filing an injunction, taking it to a federal court and let them adjudicate the situation. If the federal court says, go away, you're wrong, the president has the authority, we may take it to the next level. But the federal court will be given the Humphreys case and the others, and they may say, you know, this guy's right. You can't right. fire someone just because you don't like his politics. He didn't do anything wrong, and it'll be over. And then it'll be a lot of fun oh because God. I will bring them. I'll bring the money in and we'll show what the military has done for the world instead of turning them into some clowns. It's really a power grab. And uh, sure. I guess they've targeted me because I'm the most the loudest voice in the room. <sighs> Michael, Sorry. we, we, we got to go. But listen, best of luck with your case. You're a real patriot. Thank you for taking the time tonight f to be with Steve us. and Jennifer, I thank you so much for taking me on tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. That old expression goes, women hold a path to sky. President Biden quoting Chairman Mao, one of the greatest mass murderers in human history. Now, you've heard about Hitler, and we know how horrible he was. We know about the six million Jews who were killed, the three million others who were subjected to torture and murder in his death camps. We know about the wars that Hitler started, one of the world's true monsters, but there were other monsters. Hitler was a socialist. National socialism, after all, is Nazism. The name Nazism is an acronym for National Socialism, which I taught to people on my radio show over 15 years ago. But Stalin, of course, was a socialist, another mass murderer. And then, of course, there's Mao Zedong, the great hero of the American communist left. He was very big in the 60s, Mao Zedong. And there was a little American edition, an English edition, quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong, which I actually have in my hand, which was happily given out in America by left-wingers thinking it was cute. Can you imagine handing out booklets like Mein Kampf? No, you couldn't. 
but they gave out Chairman Mao Zedong's quotes, and I have them in my hand, and you're going to see how far this country has fallen, how close we are to losing everything, as I read quotes from this book from Chairman Mao Zedong. And this copy, by the way, was found in my archives by my assistant. He said, where'd you get this? I said, in the 1970s, I was given this in San Francisco by a man who owned a bookstore called City Lights Books. He passed away last year. Lawrence Ferlinghetti thought it was cute to give out copies of Chairman Mao's book. Now, remember, in those days, people were wearing blue Chinese uh, outfits and Tai Chi slippers. They thought they were all little communists, and they thought it was cute. So if you look anywhere through here, and I, I know, compare it to some of the news stories of the day, I can read you the chapter titles, and I can give you some of the quotes. It's all about revolution, revolutionary theory, and how to overcome quote, the bourgeoisie, which is the middle class. It's all about class struggle. This is exactly what BLM and Antifa are engaged in, as is the Democrat Party today. So let me begin with the contents page. Communist Party, classes and class struggle, socialism and communism, the correct handling of contradictions among the people, war and peace, imperialism, and all reactionaries are paper tigers. Does that, does that sound familiar? That's why they attack you in restaurants with impunity. Dare to struggle and dare to win. The People's War, the People's Army, leadership of party committees, the mass line, political work, relations between officers and men, relations between the army and the people, education, the training of troops, serving the people, patriotism, internationalism, revolutionary heroism, building our country through diligence and frugality, self-reliance and arduous struggle, Methods of thinking and methods of work, correcting mistaken ideas, discipline, communists, cadres, youth, women, culture and art and study. So I'm going to jump around in this book. And he starts by saying the force at the core leading our cause forward is the Chinese Communist Party. The theoretical basis guiding our thinking is Marxism, Leninism. Theoretical basis guiding our thinking is Marxism, Leninism. So this Chinese communist, Mao Zedong, got his ideas from the Russian communists, Marx and Lenin. It resulted in the death of 30 million people in China. He gave that at the opening address of the first session of the first National People's Congress of the People's Republic of China, September 15, 1954. He says, if there is to be revolution, there must be a revolutionary party. Without a revolutionary party, without a party built on the Marxist-Leninist revolutionary theory and in the Marxist-Leninist revolutionary style, it is impossible to lead the working class and the broad masses of the people in defeating imperialism and its running dogs. That's a speech from 1948. So where are we today? Is the Democrat Party today a Marxist-Leninist revolutionary party? No. But there's a wing of that party that is clearly Marxist-Leninist, and they are in league with Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They are the core of the Communist Party USA. We know that or we know, don't know that? What methods do they use? How are they engaged? What can we do to fight them? The more I read to you today... The more your eyes are going to be opened. Your eyes are going to be opened, and then what are you going to do? You'll no longer be blind. 
I wrote this this morning. It's funny. I woke up this morning and I wrote, there are those with eyes who see not and those who are blind who see all. There are those with eyes who see not and those who are blind who see all. Please don't be blind. Many of you have eyes and you're blind. You're blind to what's going on right in front of your eyes. So let me continue with this little red book of the mass murderer Mao Zedong, who was just so cute. In our country, bourgeois and petty bourgeois ideology, anti-Marxist ideology, will continue to exist for a long time. Let me pause there. Anyone who opposes them is considered an anti-Marxist. That's who you are. So we now have a Marxist, anti-Marxist struggle going on in this country. Anyone who stands up to them is purged. For example, Biden just threw the head of the Space Force out because he tweeted something on his own social media about how Marxism was taking over the military. They fired the head of the U.S. Space Force. Tell me that's not Marxist ideology. So Mao Zedong goes on. He says, we have won the basic victory in transforming the ownership of the means of production. Well, that has not yet happened here. Right now, the Marxist-Leninists own Jack. They own nothing. Or shall I say, Jack owns social media, and they own nothing. But we have not yet won complete victory on the political and ideological fronts. In the ideological field, the question of who will win in the struggle between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie has not been really settled yet. We still have to wage a protracted struggle against bourgeois and petty bourgeois ideology. That means against the middle class, against home ownership, against private property. He goes on. Mao Zedong writes, it is wrong not to understand this and to give up ideological struggle. All erroneous ideas, all poisonous weeds, all ghosts and monsters must be subjected to criticism. In no circumstance should they be allowed to spread unchecked, meaning critical race theory is the number one tool right now of destroying our children's minds of criticizing them for being white and standing up to these communist bastards. Do you understand what's at stake here? You better make sure you're counted. Mao Zedong goes on. However, the criticism should be fully reasoned, analytical, and convincing, and not rough, bureaucratic, metaphysical, or dogmatic. Interesting. So that's why they're doing it in the schools and calling it race theory. They're trying to be reasoned, analytical, and convincing. It's not theory. Critical race theory is anti-white racism. Do you understand that? That was a speech at the Chinese Communist Party's National Conference on Propaganda Work, March 12, 1957. I'm reading to you from Mao Zedong's, Chairman Mao's Little Red Book, and I'm relating it to what is going on in America today. I will continue to do this in a moment, right here on the Savage Nation podcast. Don't go away. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. At the end of the day, as workers and as people of society, we're the ones creating wealth, not a corporate CEO. It's not a CEO that's, make, that's actually creating $4 billion a year. It is the millions of workers in this country that's creating billions of dollars of economic productivity a year. And our system should reflect that. So we're looking at the horror story of uh, communism, Chinese communism, Mao Zedong, the hero of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and a good portion of the American misguided youth. And I'm reading from Mao's little red book, 
which was given out for free in San Francisco in the 70s, in this case by Lawrence Ferlinghetti of City Lights Books. I always called it a communist bookstore. And, of course, I was right. I'm usually right about politics. I've rarely been wrong, which is why I'm still in the business of politics. And so I want to continue. And eventually I'm going to read to you and tell you some stories about what communism actually did to people. And not me telling you. I'll read from a book written by a woman called Life and Death in Shanghai by a woman named Yan Shang, who actually lived through this. The woman lived through this. She was born in Peking in 1915. She studied at the London School of Economics. She married a Chinese diplomat. They lived in Australia. And following the Communist Revolution, her husband became a general manager of Shell in Shanghai until he died in 57. And it talks about what they did to her when the communists took over the country. The miseries inflicted by the Cultural Revolution on this woman, her friends and associates. The history of the Cultural Revolution charting the rise and fall of the Red Guards, the senility and death of that bastard Mao Zedong, the power struggle of the Gang of Four, a first-hand account of the nightmare of China's communist cultural revolution, and shows the extremes of human nature. And I will tell you, your hair will stand up when I'm through, because Bernie Sanders is the worst man in American history. The absolute antithesis to George Washington is Bernie Sanders, the worst, the worst man on earth. He came along like a grandfatherly figure. And he said, I'm not a socialist, I'm a Democrat socialist. And he was the Pied Piper to low life's stupid people like occasional cortex. Rita Talab, a hater of America. She's a Palestinian revolutionary who wants to destroy America and the Jews and Christians. So I'm going to read you now from Mao Zedong again. Here he is. Taken as a whole, the Chinese revolutionary movement led by the Communist Party embraces the two stages. That is, the democratic and the socialist revolutions. Shall I pause right there? Bernie Sanders came along and said he's not a communist, he's not a socialist, he's a democrat socialist. And morons took it hook, line, and sinker. I'll go again back to Mao Zedong. Two stages, the democratic stage and the socialist stage which are two essentially different revolutionary processes. And the second process, which is socialism, can be carried through only after the first has been completed. The left in America is now trying to complete the first phase. And here it is. I'll go back to Mao. The democratic revolution is the necessary preparation for the socialist revolution. That would be getting the senile Joe Biden and Kamala Harris into office. That's the democratic revolution. That's the necessary preparation for the socialist revolution. And he goes on and says, and the socialist revolution is the inevitable sequel to the democratic revolution. The ultimate aim for which all communists strive is to bring about a socialist and communist society. Hmm. Comes from the Chinese Revolution and the Chinese Communist Party, December 1939 selected work. So now you know the genesis of it. They were communists in America long before Bernie Sanders, but he actually was the first winner, take all. He goes on in another speech, Mao Zedong. Socialist revolution aims at liberating the productive forces. The changeover from individual to socialist collective ownership 
in agriculture and handicrafts and from capitalist to socialist ownership in private industry and commerce is bound to bring about a tremendous liberation of the productive forces. Thus, the social conditions are being created for a tremendous expansion of industrial and agricultural production. Of course, it failed once they took over. And millions of Chinese died once the government took over agriculture. So the social system is first attacked through democracy and they then changed from private to public ownership, from private to public ownership. That's what the Biden administration is currently doing. They do it through a long march, through slow steps. I've been studying this since I'm 18 years old. So this book fell back into my hands at quite the right moment. When I come back on the Savage Nation, I will read from this piece from Mao Zedong, a mass murderer, the question of suppressing counter-revolutionaries is what I will talk about right here on the Savage Nation podcast, because you are a counter-revolutionary. You are the enemy of the left. You know all of this, correct? But how much do you really know? How far do you think they have come? How far do they have to go until they seize your house and your possessions and put you into a labor camp? How far will it be? How long will it be until we are like communist China where the Red Guards come to your house? Not too far because the Black Lives Matter movement has already unleashed their thugs in the streets. Antifa should have been put down a long time ago, but they're not. Black Lives Matter is a disgusting group of murderous revolutionaries under the guise of being liberationists for black people. They're not liberationists for black people. They are the armies that will be unleashed upon all of us when the right time comes. They are the Red Guards. They are the Khmer Rouge. They will deputize the thugs who are knifing and stabbing white people and Asian people in the streets. They will be given uniforms and badges and knives and guns, and they will knock on your door in the middle of the night and take you away. That's the dark nightmare that I have for this country. If you think it's a paranoid nightmare, please do not listen to any more of this podcast. Because when I read to you from Life and Death in Shanghai, a woman who actually lived through it, you will see how far they have come, where it will go, and what we might be able to do to stop these bastards before our lives are gone. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They had forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. You know, not to say that uh, Fidel Castro or Cuba are perfect. They are certainly not. So we're talking about how far the communists have come in America. You call them Marxists. You think it's a joke. You think it's about peace and freedom and love. It's about death and disaster. And I'm talking about what happened in China, Cambodia, the Soviet Union, where persecution became the norm. And here in America, we're being persecuted by Black Lives Matter, by the American left, by the media, by Antifa. And you will see where this will go unless you stand up and be counted. I'm reading to you from a book called The Life and Death in Shanghai by a woman, Yan Shang, who was caught up in these revolutionary times, and she spent six and a half years in solitary confinement during the Cultural Revolution, followed by years of constant surveillance and final rehabilitation 
rehabilitation. That's what went on behind the bamboo curtains. You will find out what Chinese communism was like. You will find out how it destroyed human lives. So let me read you a page here so you get a picture and open your eyes so you're no longer blind to what's going on. So they come to her house and they call her a revolutionary, a counter-revolutionary. And they tell her to pack uh, that they're throwing her out of her house. They went through digging through her walls for gold and jewels. She had none. They ripped her house to pieces. They couldn't find anything. And the Red Guards, who then were, remember, young people, young people. When you hear young people from Bernie Sanders, the young people were the worst of all of them. They were the scum of the earth. Young people. They would be the ones stabbing people on subways. Those are the young people. When the, everything was packed, the trucks came. But to my great disappointment, the Red Guards did not leave the house when the trucks drove away with my possessions. So let me back it up a bit. After daybreak, several Red Guards and revolutionaries threw the door open. It seemed that their dispute, whatever it was, resolved. The girl shouted, get up, get up, get up. A woman revolutionary told me to get something to eat in the kitchen quickly and then come upstairs to do some useful work. So she gets something to eat after they basically mentally tortured her for a few days. And her kidney collapsed and she drank water, ate some vegetables. Then a Red Guard opened the kitchen door and yelled, are you having a feast? What a long time you are taking eating that rice. Hurry up, hurry up. Now this is this woman in her own house. Her servant Lao Chao and I followed the Red Guards up the stairs. Chen Ma also joined us. We found that the Red Guards and the few remaining revolutionaries required our help in packing up my belongings so that they could be taken away. I helped readily to get rid of them. The presence of the Red Guards and the revolutionaries was more intolerable to me than the loss of my possessions. They seemed to me alien creatures from another world with whom I had no common language. Does that sound like you looking in the eyes of Antifa or your teacher in college? I'll go on. In the eyes of the Red Guards and the revolutionaries, Lao Chao was not a class enemy, even though they probably thought him misguided and lacking in socialist awareness to work for me. They chatted with him freely. I could see Lao Chao was doing his best to appear friendly, too. While we were sitting on the floor packing up the things that had been scattered everywhere, I heard the Red Guards excitedly discussing their forthcoming journey to Peking to be reviewed by Chairman Mao. And they talk about how much they can't wait to be seen by Chairman Mao like their Hitler, the Chinese Hitler. Okay. I was interested in what the Red Guards were saying. It seemed the army was working behind the scenes to support and direct the Red Guards' activities. Let me pause right there. Biden just purged the head of the U.S. Space Force because he tweeted something against the Marxism that is creeping into the U.S. military. Be very frightened indeed, ladies and gentlemen of the savage nation. When everything was packed, the trucks came. A woman revolutionary said to me, you must remain in the house. You're not allowed to go out of the house. The Red Guards will take turns to be here to watch you. I was astonished and angry. I asked her, what authority have you to keep me confined in the house? I have the authority of the proletarian revolutionaries. I want to see the order in writing, I said, trying to control my trembling voice. Why do you want to go out? Where do you want to go to? A woman like you would be beaten to death outside. We're doing you a kindness in putting you under house arrest. Lao Chao will be allowed to stay and do the marketing for you. Do you know what's going on outside? This is a full-scale revolution going on. She says, I don't particularly want to go out. It's the principle of the matter. What principle? Since you don't want to go out, why argue with me? You stay here until we decide what to do with you. That's an order. She swept out of the house. I was given the box spring of my own bed placed on the floor to sleep on. 
a change of clothes and a sweater hung in the empty cupboard, a suitcase containing my winter clothes and the green canvas bag with the quilt and blankets for the colder days were left in a corner of the room. Besides the table and chairs in the kitchen, I was left with two chairs and a small coffee table. The red guards detailed to watch me sat on the two chairs outside my room so that I had to sit on the box spring on the floor. My daughter was allowed to live in her own room, but I was not allowed to in there or to speak to her when she came home, which was very seldom, as she had to spend more and more nights at the film studio taking part in the Cultural Revolution. Did you hear this? And she goes on and talks about when she's placed under house arrest and she's called a class enemy and her servant pleads with the Red Guards not to take her away. And they say to her, don't you realize she is your class enemy? Why should you care whether she has enough clothes or not? The Red Guards said. Chen Ma's daughter seemed frightened of the Red Guards and urged Chen Ma to leave. But Chen Ma said, I must say goodbye to Mei Mei. Tears were streaming down her face. One of the Red Guards became impatient. She faced Chen Ma militantly and said, haven't you stayed in this house long enough? She is the daughter of the class enemy. Why do you have to say goodbye to her? When I put my arms around Chen Ma's shoulders to hug her for the last time, she burst into loud crying. The Red Guards pulled my arms away and pushed Chen Ma and her daughter out of the front door. Lao Chao followed them out with Chen Ma's luggage and I heard him getting a pedicab for them. You want me to go on? Because it's going to get much worse. It's going to get very, very bad if I continue reading to you what happened in China after the Mao Zedong revolution and what it has to do with here in America under the communist revolution that was recently started by Bernie Sanders, the greatest enemy the American people have ever had come along. And he's playing a major role in the Democrat Party today. And Joe Biden is nothing but a stooge and a moron. So here's an astonishing piece from the book. And again, I'm reading from the mass murderer Mao Zedong's Little Red Book, once oh so popular in leftist circles. But if you read this book the way I am looking at it, you will see how far they have come uh, in taking over this country and most of the West. So here Mao Zedong talks about Taiwan and the Arabs, who he considers his friends. Does that sound familiar? Here it is. U.S. imperialism invaded China's territory of Taiwan and has occupied it for the past nine years. This was written back in 1958. I will remind you that Taiwan was created by people who fled communist Chinese government and created a beautiful, booming society on Taiwan. And then he talks about the United States, and he says, the United States has set up hundreds of military bases in many countries all over the world. China's territory of Taiwan, Lebanon, and all military bases of the United States on foreign soil are so many nooses around the neck of U.S. imperialism. The nooses have been fashioned by the Americans themselves and by nobody else, and it is they themselves who have put these nooses around their own necks, handing the ends of the ropes to the Chinese people, the peoples of the Arab countries, and all the peoples of the world who love peace and oppose aggression. The longer the U.S. aggressors remain in those places, the tighter the nooses around their necks will become. Speech at the Supreme State Conference, September 8th, 1958. So if you look at those pushing Islam, you will see that Islam fundamentally is a communist doctrine, a top-down communist doctrine. It is not a religion. It's a political structure. And so he wisely saw his allies in the Muslim world. Do you understand this? And he said that our own military bases and our own military forces in these foreign places were nooses that we have put around our own necks. Unfortunately, he was right about that. 
How long have we been in Afghanistan? Afghanistan is like a noose around our neck. Why are we still there? What you've just heard can be summarized best in a Twitter video that I did just before we posted the podcast a day before. It summarizes what you have just heard, and I hope you can listen to these few minutes to recall everything that I have put into this podcast because it's very, very critical that we see where this goes. Thank you very much for listening. Please share it with 10 friends. I'm Michael Savage. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Savage. You know, this is an interesting time of deception. In essence, I'm an American dissident. I began the podcast you're going to hear tomorrow, last week before the Presidio scandal struck me, reading from quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong from the Little Red Book. And the question was going to be, how far has or have the communists come in America? You'll be shocked to find out how far the communists have come in America. Do we have re-education camps? In a way, yes. They're called diversity training. They're called advertising on television and radio, which is hot brainwashing around the clock. We have complete denial as to who's conducting most of the violence in America. We hear about the horrible attacks upon Jews, and they don't say it's Arabs. We hear about the horrible attacks upon Asians for months on end, and they don't say it's largely African-American males. They lead you to believe it's white nationalists. How's that for a re-education camp? They don't need to put you in a camp to re-educate you. All they need to do is put your child into a classroom today and have some goon tell your child she's evil because she's white. You don't need a re-education camp when you have the lowest scum of the earth putting out ads on television which distort reality around the clock. So I was reading quotations from Chairman Mao, which you'll hear in detail on my podcast tomorrow, and then suddenly I was struck by a scandal of my own kind, which is eerily similar to that of the purges on the Mao Zedong, and that is, there are three Trump appointees on the Presidio Trust. I'm the only one who was purged by the Biden administration last week. Why was I purged and not the other Trump appointees? Now, I'm the only one with any background whatsoever in environmental issues. Never forget that. I'm not putting them down. They're good people, but they're not there because they know anything about the environment. They don't. I do. So what happened was, is I suggested new exhibits in the officers club. A day before this all happened to me, I proposed God and the soldier at the Presidio, faith in the army over two centuries. That includes the Spanish and Mexican eras. Prior to that, I had proposed several new military heritage exhibits none of which are at all inflammatory. They're all rather benign. I asked repeatedly from the management of the Presidio to give me the approximate cost to install exhibits, and they would not answer me. And in fact, after they took me off the board, as you will find out on the podcast, they expunged the minutes of my emails asking them to tell me what it would cost to install these exhibits, because I had told them I have likely secured $2.5 million in funding. Now, this is from a group that fired many people because they were broke, went through the pandemic, no income, screaming about money. Here you have a board member says, I have two and a half million dollars likely to be able to bring to you. Help me with this. And instead, they fired me. You know why? Because they don't want the military heritage of the Presidio installed at the Presidio Officers Club. Why? Because this is a Eurocentric, anti-American anti-military, 
anti-family, anti-God, anti-male, anti-white person administration. I cannot emphasize how important my being on the board and how important it is to the citizens personally. Remember, I have over 40 years working on conservation and environmental issues. The Presidio lands are a public trust that must be cared for by ardent conservationists and preservationists, not by political hacks of the type Biden will install. You'll hear more about it tomorrow on the Michael Savage podcast. And remember what it's about. It will be the Presidio Trust scandal plus Mao Zedong, the mass murderer. How far have the communists come in America? I hope you got a chance not only to listen to that podcast, but to share it with as many people who are interested in saving themselves, their family and the nation from what is going on today. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.